You're at the right place at the right time. You found the number one podcast that entertains the space between your ears. It's super califragilistic, I hope you enjoy the show. If you're like me, you're going to laugh a lot. We invite you to pull up a chair. Be Relax and get ready to take a trip to the vacation kingdom of the world. So, grab your magic bands and your Mickey ears. Here we go. Because it's time for another episode of the Mousecapades Podcast. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem. Happy Friday, Mousecapades listeners! This is Vicki, and I'm here with Kaylee, and you're listening to the number one podcast that entertains the space between your ears, the Mousecapade Podcast. This is episode 317, but before we start, we'd like to encourage you to check out our friends at WaltExpress.com for Disney deals, tips, tricks, and all things Disney. On this episode, we are going to talk about Randy Newman, how he got started, and his history with Disney. Newman was born on November 28, 1943, in Los Angeles, California. He started taking piano lessons at the age of seven, and his playing style was influenced by the artists that he heard while he was visiting New Orleans as a child. By the time he was 17, he was already writing professionally, and his first song was Golden Gridiron Boy in 1962. And I don't know about you, Kaylee, but I don't think that I realized that he was older than my dad. My dad's born in 48, so I don't think that I realized Randy Newman was older than my father. Yeah, I guess you don't really think about it because one of those composers that he just keeps up. Kind of like the Sherman Brothers. Yeah, yeah. he just evolves with time. He's not in a set style that you're thinking, okay, this is Randy Newman, but in a bad sort of way where you're like, okay, it's kind of getting old, but he just adapts to every film. Right. It's true. And he started pretty young. He started about the time your dad did. I know that a lot of listeners don't know about your dad's playing, but we know that your dad can play really well. And from what I could tell, he had just the natural ability like your dad did. He just got it. He could read notes or he could just have somebody sing him something and he could play it. So that's pretty awesome. And the other thing was when I found out that he was in New Orleans for a while, totally understand now when I'm listening to his music, that means a lot more to me. Like I can hear the New Orleans tones in it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it definitely does. Like Princess and the Frog, especially is around New Orleans music a lot. And if you, if that's like your only experience, if you're a Disney person and that's your only experience with New Orleans music, even just hearing that and like comparing it to Newman's music, you can definitely tell that he draws inspiration. So he wrote songs for a lot of famous singers, including Joni Mitchell, Ella Fitzgerald, Peggy Lee, and Judy Collins, which is more late 60s, early 70s, more what my parents would have listened to. Um, he also wrote for Meet the Parents, Meet the Fockers, The Natural, and How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, as far as movies go other than Disney. And then he wrote for um, some TV shows like ER 
and Monk. In 1968, Randy released his first album entitled Randy Newman. He grew up in a musical family. His uncles Alfred and Lionel Newman won Oscars for their scores of music that they wrote. And he wrote songs for at least eight Pixar movies at this point. Uh, the first one being the Toy Story soundtrack. And it was composed and, um, by him and released in November 22nd, 1995, the same day as the movie. The soundtrack received praise for its sprightly stirring score. And despite the album's success, it only peaked at number 94 on the Billboard's 200 chart. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, you've got a friend to me is a, is a great song. It was released on April 12, 1996 to promote the release of the soundtrack and I that's a song that I like to sing. I know you like to sing it too. I do too. I think I can see how the score on a typical album chart wouldn't rank as high because if you mix it in with all those other genres, I can see how a lot of people wouldn't like it, but I mean, if you think of it in terms of Disney, you probably would. And this was the first Pixar film right. to be done with Disney and so it was a whole new thing. And so I think once people realized how good it was, then the following movies had more popularity. I would agree. So give You Got a Friend in Me a listen. You got a friend in me You got a friend in me When the road looks rough ahead and you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed just remember what your past said, or you got a friend in me. Yeah, you got a friend in me. So Randy Newman showed a different side of himself when he wrote for the next Pixar film, A Bug's Life. And when he wrote for this film, he didn't use his pop rocker self. He fo- he focused on instrumental music throughout the movie. The only song that we heard lyrics from. Randy Newman is The Time of Our Life, which opened the movie. And I actually really like this song. It's really catchy. I do really like this song, but until I was researching this, I did not realize that's the only song with words. Yeah, I mean, and I love that soundtrack, just like in general. It's one of my favorite ones to listen to. Right, I love to listen to it. It has awesome music, obviously, but until they said that, I got to thinking, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it really doesn't have words. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Anyway, so give a listen to The Time of Our Life from Bugs Life. Time of your life, so live it well. It's the time of your life. Because of his success with Toy Story, he was asked to write for Toy Story 2. No question. I mean, Toy Story, you know, we, like we said, it didn't do as well on the charts. But like you said, it was the first Pixar movie. So people were starting to recognize, oh, Randy Newman, he's got some good stuff going on. Um, he, the, when, when he was writing stuff, he treated it like a regular dramatic film. He never treated it like an animated, animated artificial world. He treated it like a real movie, like Gone with the Wind or anything like that. And because of this, sometimes his humor got him into trouble. His score for Toy Story 2 is generally enjoyable, amiable, lighthearted, and occasionally tinged with moments of brilliance. And one of the most memorable, song, memorable songs in Toy Story 2 was When She Loved Me, 
uh, which is performed by Sarah McLaughlin, but it's sang by Jessie when she's staring out the window in the movie. I'm sorry. Hope nobody's never watched Toy Story 2. I just thought I was giving away a spoiler for a second, but Jessie's sitting in the window and she's reflecting back to Woody about, you know, when she was loved by somebody. And uh, it's a really pretty song. And actually, you learned to play that on your flute. I did. It's not too hard. But yeah, I'm sure there are versions that are harder. But I just wonder because Sarah McLaughlin does the sad dog commercials. <laughs> so I wonder if they heard this and they were like, we got to get her. She's really good at evoking emotion. We got to get her. <laughs> That's all I can think when I hear her is the, the sad dog, dog commercial. commercial. Her, that and this. And I'm so sorry because I know her career is much more than that. But that's the two things that stick out to me. That's hilarious. So give a listen to When She Loved Me. Lonely and forgotten. Never thought she'd look my way. And she smiled at me and held me just like she used to do. Like she loved me when she loved me. When somebody loved me, everything was beautiful. Every hour we spent together lives within my heart when she was the composer for the 2003 Pixar film Monsters, Inc. He said he writes the music based on what he sees on the screen of the movie, and he had a different feel of music for each character. Monsters, Inc. gave us the song Wouldn't Have Anyone If I Didn't Have You or the shorter title If I Didn't Have You. And this was one of, another one of your favorite movies growing up. I don't know if you remember that because sometimes I know you don't remember everything about your childhood, but as your parent, I can tell you, you would watch this one over and over and over. In fact, um, if you remember, you were sick in the hospital as a kindergartner. Oh, I do. That's a vivid memory. Well, you were very sick. We didn't know what was wrong. It ended up that you had staph infections of your uh, the muscles, and you got two copies of Monsters, Inc. Somebody brought it to you on VHS and on DVD, and you about wore those movies out because we, when an anniversary edition came out, we bought another copy because you had played it so much. Yeah, I have a specific memory of watching that movie, and I had a roommate that had gotten her tonsils out. Like, she was a young kid, too. Right. And I was mad because she kept getting ice cream, and I was like, why am I not getting ice cream? <laughs> and you said, she got her tonsils out. And I said, okay. And like, then you would take mention, my tonsils out. Well, you would mention and you'd say, well, you're watching Monsters, Inc. And I was like, I know. Can I have some ice cream to go with it? Like, <laughs> man, I just really wanted that ice cream. But yeah, this song, I like it. I think it's cute. And it's in the credits, too. Because right. um, I feel like it was it was kind of a good tradition that was started. Um, it was the first Pixar film to do this. Were they animated bloopers? No, there were bloopers in, in Bugs Life. There were. Okay. So they didn't do it with Toy Story, but I like that they started that because it's super funny. Because obviously 
those vocal well, we make bloopers too true well the vocal bloopers are real but they animate the characters to go with them which i think is really funny to act and then and they work and they add boom mics in the yeah. screens as if like real bugs were talking recording the them boom mics. but right. it just cracks me up that they added this because this was kind of the blooper reel for this only it was a musical number instead and also just find it a little ironic that one of the lines is if I was a rich man with a billion or two, and that's what Disney decided to write, which I mean, maybe at that point in time. Well, that was Randy Newman that wrote it. True, but Randy Newman, man, predicted the future. I mean, they were already a huge thing, but like, just think about how much more they've made since then. Oh, sure. They're trying to buy a company for what, 66 million billion or whatever? I can't even remember. Chump change. Yeah. <sighs> On the end. Well, listeners, enjoy. If I were a rich man With a million or two I lived in a penthouse In a room with a view And if I were handsome It could happen Cause dreams do come true I wouldn't have nothing If I didn't have you Randy Newman also wrote songs on the soundtrack of Cars. However, he composed 11 of the 20. He did not compose all of them, which I'm sure you knew by listening to the songs themselves. And he conducted them. Right. That's true. And so in November of 2006, the Cars soundtrack went from 126 on the Billboard chart, excuse me, to 47. So here Kaylee's right. Once the movie started picking up and people started hearing about um, Pixar and understanding the music and within it, then they become a bigger deal. And so it was 47 and Our Town is one of the songs that Randy Newman composed and James Taylor performed it. They performed that. I believe it was the Oscars that I saw a little clip of them performing that for. And we'll talk more about the awards later in the show. Yeah, I definitely think, though, I think it's important to note that he conducted the pieces because as a person who sits in an ensemble and has a conductor, from the audience perspective, you kind of just think that's somebody that just waves their arms. But different people can, if you ha- went to a concert for that was like an experiment and it was the same piece that you played five times with five different people, it would sound different every time because of the way they're giving gestures and cues and everything. So especially to have the person who composed the soundtrack conduct you, like you'll be playing it exactly how he wants it. Right. Not the way somebody else how is he trying to visualize mind. he wants it. Right. And so it's very different, and I think that probably brought a lot to the soundtrack. Oh, I totally agree. So give a listen to Our Town. Main Street isn't Main Street anymore. No one seems to need us like they did before. Hard to find a reason left to stay, but it's our town. We love it anyway. Come what may, it's our So Newman went on to finish out the Toy Story series 
and he composed for Toy Story 3. Critics praised the movie for many things, including Randy Newman's musical score. His central effort is on the sunny, uplifting song, We Belong Together. The music for this movie got darker as the movie moved on to go with the storyline. And as in all the movies Randy Newman composed for, the music pulls at our heartstrings. And that that goes along with what you were just saying. So with um, him directing it, he can pull out what he wants you know, where he wants the loud noises or where he wants it to sound eerie and slow or whatever. And um, the other thing that I was going to say is that he himself said that the music was sunny. And I wondered if that was intentional, if it was already named Sunnyside, or if they did that after he wrote this song. I bet you it was intentional. I would hope it is. If not, what a, like, funky coincidence. Well, just because we've learned so much from the Sherman Brothers, like, that Walt went back and renamed things after he heard the songs, and he, he was like, oh, that should be blah, 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 or whatever. Like, he wanted Parent Trip to be for now, for always. And then he's like, oh, that song, Parent Trip. Yeah, that you're right. That's what that should be. And so... I just thought that was very interesting that he said that that was a sunny, uplifting song or that's what he thought about it. And then the name of the daycare was Sunnyside. Yeah. And I also just think that the score, as he said, it got darker, but there were parts that you could definitely tell he was drawing themes from the original Toy Story and Toy Story 2, but he was mixing them in with the new stuff, which I appreciated because the whole movie talked about them reflecting on Andy's childhood and having to move on. Right. So it kind of, whenever they reflect, it's got some older themes in there. It's all done intentionally, which I think is insane about music, is that it's reinforcing what's on the screen like more than you realize it does. Which is so. why Wally is able to do so well. I know it's not a movie that he wrote music for, I don't think, but... Um, There's uh, not a lot of talking, so the music has to do a lot It has of to it. tell the story, that and the pictures. So, listen to uh, We Belong Together. We belong together We belong together Honestly We'll go on this So Randy Newman also composed the music for Monsters University. Big surprise, but I mean, once you've done one, you don't want to get somebody else. If you if you have the person that originally did something, you want to keep them because if it did well, you want it to keep it do it keep doing well. So he added his own unique flair to his score, calling an, a renowned international drum corps the Blue Devils, and he had them play to get the collegiate sound. I know. Did you know this? No, but that's a big deal. And like, especially now, because I have friends that play in collegiate drum corps. So that's cool to know that people like that. Well, if on you the listen, soundtrack, you can tell that by listening to the movie. And when, when I was reading that, I was like, that makes so much sense because it sounds so professional. So the composer incorporated concert band music to exemplify the feeling of being in a school. And um, Newman said, there's a little bit of Brahms academic festival overture when Mike is riding on the pig. Oh, I hear it. Yeah. Yep. 
And he said, I also like to think that Brahms would be extremely flattered by the inclusion in the score. And they used a 112-piece orchestra, including an accordion, to make the music fit that university feel. So I thought that was really cool. And um, I know, listeners, if you're not as big into music as we are or had kids that were in the band, this probably won't be as exciting to you as it is to us. But if you know anything about music, if you brought in an international drum corps just so you could make a film sound so professional, I, that's amazing. I just think it was genius because I don't know if other people feel that way, but when you hear a marching band, like, you know what a marching band sounds like. It's there, it's pronounced, there's lots of snare drum, lots of brass, exactly what this is. And he was trying to set the scene because honestly, the first, when it first plays, all you hear is the music. And like, you wouldn't even need the music to know it was about a school because the music is so definitive. Even if you thought maybe it's high school. Yes, sorry. <laughs> I was like, sorry, what? listeners, I said it wrong. You wouldn't even need the movie to know that it was talking about a school because it's such a distinct sound to either either high school or college. college. But you would know, okay, this is about a school. It has to be. If it's not, I'm thrown. So I just think it was genius for him to do that. So give a listen to the clip, Monsters University. had said that Randy Newman is the key component to the Pixar animated movies, so they used his amazing talents once again for Cars 3. And this film used one of the largest orchestras Newman ever used, and he said to make any mark in a movie where cars are racing 50% of the time, you have to make noise. Director Brian Fee says, Randy can do Americana like no one else. But he has this magic ability to be incredibly emotional. He can play comedy and then two beats later have you reaching for a tissue. You have an epic experience because of what Randy Wright. So I thought that that was an interesting point that he knew that he was going to need this large sound. And that's that's how you know he knows music. Because if you just picked any Joe Blow off the street, they're not going to probably realize how loud a band is going to have to be or an orchestra is going to have to be to outweigh cars racing. And um, it also made me a little sad when I was reading this to think of all the movies that Lasseter and Newman have done together. And after December 31st, their collaboration will virtually be over. Yeah, that's really unfortunate. But again, Newman really thought it out. Because if you think about it, if you think about movies in history that had to deal with cars, then you would know that most soundtracks use really poppy music or rock music or even other genres to compete with the engines. So Newman knew he had to do that with an orchestral sound. So go ahead and take a listen to this featurette from the film, which is McQueen's Wild Ride.
I don't think that there could be a truer statement that Randy Newman, because now we know Randy Newman is now working on Toy Story 4 as well, as well excuse me, that's scheduled to premiere on June 21st, 2019 in theaters. I'm actually anxious to see what happens in the next Toy Story, like what the storyline is going to be. There's not a lot of, you can dig and there's a lot of rumors and there's a lot of ideas of what people think it's going to be, but nobody seems to know exactly for sure and I'm sure they're keeping that under lock and key. Oh, very much so. It's very strategic and I think it'll be interesting because this will actually sting a little bit but that's 10 years after Toy Story 3. Well, and you know um, that I was telling your brother the other day and then he got really sad when I was talking about it. It probably was when I was researching but so Don Rickles has passed away so he will not be playing Potato Head anymore and Sarge I can't think of that guy's name his last name was Emery I believe he passed away one of them died in 16 one of them died in 2017 so neither one of those original voices will be in Toy Story 4 and they're wondering how they're going to make that happen yeah I mean they could use software yeah. To use their voice and transform somebody else's voice or maybe mix it with somebody that's similar to get a more authentic sound, but it will never be quite the same. Yeah, and we'll always know that they weren't around for the final Toy Story, although we don't know if it's the final one. They could keep continuing making them on and on depending on how much money they make. True. So Newman has been nominated 79 times and 42 times he's won. And a lot of the wins were for Pixar songs. So his 2014 ASCAP Film Award for Monsters University. So he won that. 2011 ASCAP Film Award for Toy Story 3. 2011 Academy Award for Best Original Song in Toy Story 3. 2011 Grammy for Best Score Soundtrack Album for Motion Picture and TV for Toy Story 3. 2011 Online Film and Television Association Award for Best Music Original Song for Toy Story 3, We Belong Together. And the last for 2011, World Soundtrack Award for Best Original Song for Toy Story 3, We Belong Together. See a theme there? Yes, 2011 was a big year just from Toy Story 3. Right. Um, The ASCAP Award is 2007. I guess that'd be easier. Award for Cars. 2007 Annie Award for Best Song Written for a Motion Picture or Television Feature for Cars. Our Town, 2006 World Soundtrack Award for Best Original Song for a Film for Cars, Our Town. So he, I mean, obviously he's had a lot of awards and I'm going to continue on with his, some of his best work or his awards that he did win. 2003 Grammy for Best Song Written for a Motion Picture or Television Feature for Monsters, Inc. If I Didn't Have You. In 2002, he got an ASCAP Award for uh, Monsters, Inc. In 2002, an Academy Award for Best Music and Best Song for Wouldn't Have Nothing If I didn't have you for Monsters Inc. and the music overall. So he got an award for both of those. 2002 World Soundtrack Award for If I Didn't Have You. And 2001, a Grammy for the best song for a motion picture or television feature for Toy Story 2's When She Loved Me, which of course is one of our favorites. 2000, he got an Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films for best music in Toy Story 2, which I thought was interesting that all those were combined into one category. 2000 ASCAP Award for Toy Story 2. A 2000 Annie Award for Outstanding Individual Achievements for Music in Toy Story 2. 2000 Grammy for Best Instrumental Composition Written for the Motion Picture or Television Feature for A Bug's Life. 1998 International Film Music Critics Award for Best Original Score for a Comedy in A Bug's Life. 1996 Annie Award for Best Individual Achievement in Music for Toy Story. And a 1996 ASCAP Award for Toy Story. Wow, that was a lot. 
And I mean, he deserves every bit of what he got. Oh, too. yeah. And more even. But I mean, there's always going to be competition. But I mean, for Disney people, it's just always going to be so good. And I mean, that's why I wanted to do this episode. It's just his contributions to Disney in general. And even just the music industry has been insane. And I did have fun learning more about this because there were lots of things, lots of little details that he pays attention to that's just the Disney touch. And like you said, um, knowing that he needs to conduct his music because he wants to get the sound that he wants that when he was writing it so he gets the full effect of what he was thinking when he was writing the music because it's just like I can read a book to you but the author could read it to you in a completely different way you know what I'm saying yeah. so everybody can ha- has their own spin on it so if you're interested in being a guest on our show or you have a question or comment simply text us at 407-674-0414 or email us at mousecapades at gmail.com or if you'd like to book a trip or you just want a free quote text us at 407 674 0414 or contact us at travel at mousecapades.net. Remember to check out our friends at waltexpress.com for all things Disney. As always, thanks for listening to the number one podcast that entertains the space between your ears, the Mousecapades podcast. Well, Kaylee, I think it's about that time. Peace and love. Have, Have a magical, magical day, my friends. You've been listening to the all-new Mousecapades podcast. Be our guest. Put our service to the test. If you have questions, comments, or would like to be a guest on the show, please visit our website. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening. And have a magical day.